For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. All right. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 19th episode of OT Leadership Live. My name is Michael Lopez, and I will be co-facilitating our conversation this evening with my colleague and fellow AOTA Community of Leaders member, Dr. Jenny Martinez. For those of you new to OT Leadership Live, welcome. And for those of you who have participated in our past episodes, welcome back. We have a very special episode planned for you this evening as we welcome AOTA's newest leaders, AOTA President-elect Wendy C. Hildenbrand and AOTA Vice President Ms. Deborah Young. This podcast will serve as a unique opportunity to connect authentically and to truly get to know our newest AOTA leaders. Before we dive into tonight's episode, Jenny will now review some housekeeping items in order to ensure our call runs as smoothly as possible. If you are on your phone and you have and you haven't done so already, please press mute. If you are on your computer, please mute your microphone in order to minimize the static and feedback that can occur during the recording. Only the person currently speaking should have their device unmuted at that time. If you are on the TalkShoe website, um, you will notice that there is a chat room available. So please feel free to type in any questions or any comments throughout the episode that you might have. Um, and we will be happy to address this along the way or at the end of the episode during the question and answer session. If you are not by a computer, but you are joining us via your phone, you can always join us and live tweet with us using the hashtag OTLeadershipLive. For those of you who may have to leave early, or if you know of anyone who wasn't available or able to participate this evening during the live recording, we are recording this episode and we will be posting a link um, to the AOTA social, me social media website, OT Connections. And so you can find that under the Leadership Forum, which can then be easily accessed by visiting the Community of Leaders website at www.communityofleaders.org. Before we get started, I'm going to hand it back over to Michael so he can give a brief summary of what OT Leadership Live is all about and who is putting it on. Thank you, Jenny. Um, as I mentioned earlier, my name is Michael Lopez and I will be co-facilitating tonight's episode with Jenny Martinez. For tonight's podcast, we are joined by two very special and distinguished guests, Wendy C. Hildenbrand, our current AOTA president-elect, and Deborah Young, AOTA Vice President, to learn about their views on leadership and their personal top three core values, meaningful occupations, and more. It is my pleasure and honor to introduce our guests. Wendy C. Hildenbrand brings leadership experience grounded by grassroots people in service and developed through progressive elected leadership opportunities over her 28-year career as an occupational therapist. Dr. Hildenbrand's leadership journey starts in the Kansas Occupational Therapy Association, where she has served in several committee and leadership roles, including conference chair, treasurer, and has elected two-term president from 1994 through 1999. Committed to the work of state associations, she served as vice chair of the Committee of State Association Presidents, now known as the Affiliated State Association Presidents Steering Committee, from 1999 through 2002. Her policy and governance interests, along with her desire to serve as voice for constituents, led Dr. Hildenbrand to AOTA's Representative Assembly as the Kansas representative for two years before being elected by colleagues to lead as Speaker of the RA from 2004 through 2007. After taking time to pursue doctoral study, Dr. Hildenbrand returned to AOTA leadership when elected to serve the profession as a board director on the AOTA Board of Directors from 2014 through 2017. In her 22nd year, Dr. Hildenbrand is a clinical assistant professor in the Occupational Therapy Education Department at the University of Kansas Medical Center. She earned her Bachelor of Science in Occupational Therapy in 1989, the Master of Public Health in 2002, and her Doctor of Philosophy in Public Administration in 2016, all from the University of Kansas. Her practice experience includes work in mental health, school-based practice, community health, and population health. 
Professional interests and expertise includes leadership, professional formation, policy development and implementation, advocacy, and building bridges between policy, academia, and practice. As the focus of her dissertation, Dr. Hildenbrand examined the experience of role conflict in frontline occupational therapy professionals when implementing policies such as productivity requirements and working to maintain professional values such as client-centered care. Her daily work with students and long-standing relationships with practitioners fueled her concern for occupational therapy practice environments and the pressures of practice on frontline occupational therapists and occupational therapy assistants. Welcome, Wendy. Hello. Deborah Young, owner of EmpowerAbility LLC, an occupational therapy consultancy, is an award-winning certified specialist in environmental modifications, aging in place, and assistive technology. Deborah has over 23 years of occupational therapy experience as a clinician, educator, business owner, and provider of services across a spectrum of settings and populations for both client-based and systems-level practice. Deborah has earned a master's in education degree with specialization in assistive technology from Bowling Green State University, a graduate certificate in assistive technology from John Hopkins University, and a Bachelor of Science degree in occupational therapy from Elizabethtown College. Deborah has been named a fellow to the American Occupational Therapy Association and has earned the AOTA Specialty Certification in Environmental Modifications. She is the current Vice President of the American Occupational Therapy Association and is a 2014 recipient of the AOTA Recognition of Achievement Award for notable contributions to the profession and its consumers in the environmental modification specialty area of practice. Deborah has published and presented on local, state, national, and international levels. Welcome, Deborah, and, and thank you both again for joining us this evening. To all of our listeners, if you haven't done so already, we ask that you please go ahead and mute your device and we'll get started. I'd like to start tonight's episode with a general question about leadership. I will direct the first question to Wendy, and then I, I will repeat the same question for Deborah to answer afterwards. So, Wendy, in reflecting on your own personal experiences, how would you define leadership? Okay, well, Michael, just thank you so much for, uh, for the time this evening, for uh, you know, just allowing myself and, and also uh, Deb Young to, to be here with you and to be here with our membership um, that are listening in um, this evening. They are the reasons that we're here. So, so it's exciting to have this opportunity to just to spend time and to talk about leadership. Uh, it's, it is funny because I knew this was going to be the first question, and I knew this would be like the hard question, uh, mm -hmm. defi defining leadership. And so I guess it, I, I hope it's okay to not necessarily provide a definition, but just really to um, maybe just share what leadership means to me as, uh, as the new president-elect for our association. Um, I, I don't want to go on a long time. I know we have the power of three in the mix, so I'll try to keep it to that. But, um, but I, I think one thing that's important for me to say out loud is that I, I view leadership as not a single or solitary position or title, but is a, an opportunity and a gift uh, as far as just being in a position where you can make a difference, where you can, can influence direction, where you can have an impact on uh, the life of our profession, uh, the life of each other as professionals and as fellow leaders or frontline workers, and also uh, the daily living uh, of the people that we serve uh, in our practice environments and our academic environments. Um, I, I hope and I, and I do believe that as a leader that I come to this position inspired and energized uh, to bring out the best in situations and circumstances, um, in individuals and groups, uh, to capture uh, the good stuff that's happening in the present and look to the future, and also to, uh, to do that by recognizing those things usual and, and familiar, uh, but also looking at those things that might be a little unusual and, uh, and perhaps different than, uh, than we've thought of as our usual landscape. Um, leadership. Is, uh, is an action word. It's, it's not a, a stagnant uh, point in time and uh, not a stagnant way of thinking or doing. 
So I really uh, think about leadership as that place, that space where we are able to think about the future uh, before the future gets here. We get to evaluate the status quo, and if we've been in that status quo too long and status quo equals stuck, then we have the opportunity to uh, be original, uh, be nonconformist, be daring, and uh, take steps forward so that we can really continue to solidify uh, whatever our next steps for us, in this case for our profession of occupational therapy. So I hope I bring that energy, and I hope I bring that inspiration uh, to our association and to our profession, and hopefully to some of you on this call tonight. You certainly do, Wendy. Thank you so much for your response. And now, Deborah, I will repeat the same question for you. So now, in reflecting on your own personal experiences, how would you define leadership, or what does leadership mean to you as AOTA's newest vice president? Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me to be here today. I am honored to be here and talk to all of you about uh, my new role as vice president. And um, I, I Thank you, Wendy. I think that you did an amazing job of talking about and reflecting on what leadership means to you. Um, And I I echo some of your same sentiments. And so I would also say that for me, it's not a title. Um, It it really is a calling to lead. Um, And for me, as it relates to to occupational therapy, it's a passion. It's a passion for this profession. Uh, I'm passionate about being an occupational therapist. Um, and, And leadership me is about building relationships. Uh, it's being able to create those relationships and to have to have a shared vision, uh, especially whether whether things are going well or if they're if we're in the face of uncertainty. It's still being able to move forward with that shared vision. Um, and it, so there's some influence, but it's about inspiring that shared vision. Um, it's also about modeling my values, which I know we're going to talk a little bit about that as well uh, but it's and, and for me it's about it's about passion but it's also about making an impact and a positive impact to move our profession forward and that's what leadership means to me thank you so much for those answers i you know earlier wendy i think you also mentioned um the power of three being our theme today and so for the next question um that i'm following up with i'm going to start really integrating that that theme um and Core values often come up as a key component or key piece of leadership. And so what I wanted to start by asking, um, we'll start with you, Deborah, is what are your three core values? And what does this mean for you in the context of leadership? Sure. Um, and so I, over the years, I've had the opportunity, as um, some of you on the call may have as well, to uh, look at what your core values are. Um, and they sometimes change throughout the years, uh, but and, and I recently did it again um, in, during the uh, uh, the emerging leaders emerging leaders development program. That's one of the things that they look at is core values, and so in doing that again, and my I always say I, I, it's hard to break it down to three, and I always have like a top five, but I'll break it down to three for you. Um, and so my first value uh, is authenticity. And that's being true to myself and to others. Um, I'm very much unapologetically me. Um, and so I, I think of myself as a very authentic person. Um, and I think of myself also as a transparent person. And so I believe it's very important to bring authenticity with you as a leader um, in any capacity and, and being as transparent as, as feasible to membership or whoever it is that you are leading, whether it's uh, for an organization or it's for as an employer, uh, whatever leadership position that you're in, it's, it's very important to be authentic and transparent, um, at least to me, because that's, that's a top three value. Uh, another value that I have is risk-taking. And I'm really a person that thrives on change. I know that not everybody is, but um, I'm a person that thrives on change. I moved three times very early in my uh, career as an occupational therapist. And I was really, a lot of people hate moving, but I was really actually excited to move and sort of purge everything and to start, felt like starting fresh when I moved to the next place and and sort of started there. So that's exciting to me. Uh, And in order to make change, you really have to take on some kind of risk and not be afraid to take that risk. Uh, and I, I am typically not afraid to take that risk, but you have to temper that when you're working in groups 
um, because not everybody in the group may be as risk-taking as you. So it's one of those things where you have to ask yourself, how much risk are you willing to take? And really, most decisions from a leadership perspective, there's always going to be some kind of risk. And you do have to ask yourself, well, how much risk are you willing to take? And how does everybody else feel about this? Um, and to weigh that uh, as well. And then I also value innovation. Um, I am a big thinker. Um, I have a tendency to uh, think of uh, big ideas, and I think of big ideas at very early times in the morning for some reason. Uh, but I like to think provocatively about an issue and really to do so to challenge the status quo. Um, I have a tendency to want to challenge and see what other options there might be, and to also look at things from the perspective of trying to fuel new ideas. And so my third value would be innovation. Much. Um, I know it can be hard to just pick three, um, so I appreciate that. Yes. <laughs> and Wendy, I have direct the same question to you. Um, what are some of those three top, top three maybe core values um, that really guide your um, journey and your role as a leader? Well, um, it, it has three core values, and so I will, um, you know, connect these all to uh, this this road of, of leadership and, and my my current role as president elect. Uh, but I I'm, I'm going to start with one that maybe people don't necessarily think about as um, as a core value that they can connect with to leadership. But I hope you'll see that um, when I get done here, because my very first core value is family. Um, you know, this is a, you know, this is an opportunity for people to get to to know to know me and to and to know Deb, and so um, I I find it very easy to put out there right away that that would be my number one core value uh, is is family, and I guess if you translate that a little bit, extend that um, to our occupational therapy community. Uh, you know that that sense of community. I tell my students all the time. You know that the uh, the OT world, occupational therapy world, uh, with occupational therapists, occupational therapy assistants, OT students, OTA students, uh, is a very small community. It's a very tight group, and um, I recognize the importance of of taking care of the relationships that uh, that are close. Uh, that we we're all connected. And we are uh, in this occupational therapy thing together. And so uh, while family is important to me and a, a high value uh, on my list in my day-to-day, -day, uh, it is also a way for me to frame the work that I do in establishing relationships, uh, taking care of relationships, taking care of people uh, that are a part of uh, whether it's uh, work teams, whether it's uh, hard decisions, uh, whether it's about good times and fun, uh, our interprofessional partners, a different team of leaders. I mean, you know, I know that Andy's on the call tonight. Uh, you know, he, he's one of those people that's a part of a team of leaders. Uh, the board of directors is a team of leaders. Uh, all of you out there that are working on the front lines uh, in your day-to-day -day clinics or departments, you are working with a team and, and, and for some a team of leaders. People lead where they're at. So you know, that, that family piece and recognizing uh, important relationships and, and, and being good to those relationships, respectful, thoughtful, uh, mindful of, of the people that are there and, and perhaps how you know, they often bring their best, but sometimes they don't. Uh, it's important to, uh, to take care of those, those relationships. And so I hope that I uh, am able to make that same commitment, certainly plan to make that same commitment to caring for the relationships uh, that I will be part of and have the opportunity to cultivate uh, as president-elect and then president. Um, my second core value that I would share with you, uh, in some ways similar uh, to what Deb uh, brought forward, but I would um, bring the core value of integrity uh, to the table. Uh, when you think about integrity and, and try to associate words with it, I think sometimes it's, it's tempting to, um, I don't know, maybe almost view it as an overused word, like, well, of course everybody wants to, 
you know, conduct themselves with integrity. Well, not everybody does. <laughs> and you know what? I, I'm sure I have those days too where, um, you know, maybe it's, it's harder to do than others. Uh, but it is something that I wake up in the morning and I do try to think about um, how I can do the right things today, even when they're challenging. I try to think about how I can be, uh, you know, truthful and honest in, in my interactions or, or in the work that I'm doing. Um, you know, I work to be sincere and genuine uh, in, in the way that I, I carry myself and conduct myself with others and, and go about my work. So, um, you know, that, that sometimes that's, uh, that's well received. Sometimes uh, people question that. That's okay. Uh, it's important to me to know where I'm at with those things, to know what my North Star is, so to speak, and to be able to uh, do my work and engage uh, through my day, um, knowing uh, that my, my own compass uh, is square with me and that when I turn off my light at night that I will rest well. Uh, my third core value then, uh, it's always funny when I hear Deb talk about risk-taking, because she is the ultimate risk taker. I wish you could see some of her pictures of her scaling buildings and such. She'll tell you about that, I'm sure. Uh, but my third core value, uh, not quite uh, that physical risk taker that she is, but my third core value is courage and being courageous. And um, I, I have that as a value because I, I just really do believe that there are many times uh, in, in our professional lives uh, in our personal lives, where sometimes we have to uh, take a take a tough stand, and, or we have to put ourselves out there um, in positions where we may or may not feel prepared. Um, we may or may not feel that we're you know that person that that is most qualified, or we might not feel that we're the person with the uh, loudest voice but maybe we have a really awesome message or we have that great idea, that innovative idea that's going to change direction you know, of a given conversation or it's going to provide uh, some kind of leadership uh, in a particular initiative. And we can be those people. We can all be those people. So um, you know, courageous, you know, being courageous, uh, you know, trying, trying to embrace courage and, and live with courage uh, that is something that I would, I think, identify as that third value for me. Well, thank you, Wendy, and thank you, Deborah, for your responses. Um, you know, really, we understand that identifying core values is a great um, exercise to help guide a leader um, and to assist with the crucial decisions um, that we have to make on a daily basis. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned that the core values exercise is something that is done during the Emerging Leaders Development Program training. Um, and you may recognize our next question um, from a similar training during that um, institute at AOTA. The next question uh, I will lead uh, to Deborah. I will ask Deborah to answer first, but um, can you identify, actually, Wendy, this one's for you. Can you identify three numbers of significance to you as an individual? Oh, shoot. I thought I was going to get away with that. I was going to let you redirect that her way. <laughs> <laughs> Not so fast. I know, I know. You caught yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but that's quite okay. Um, yes, three three numbers of significance to me as an individual. Um, you know, it, this one changes, you know, sometimes, but but this this is a good one. My three numbers are three, five, and thirteen hundred. Okay, so I'll come I'll come I'll come back here and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you a little, a little information about my three numbers um, today. So uh, my number three, uh, that certainly is a number of significance to me. Uh, I have three grandkids. I've got three wonderful grandchildren. Uh, Layla is seven, Gaffin is 10, and Jackson is 13. And they live here in Kansas City with me, so or not with me, but here in Kansas City where I live. And so I get to see them all the time and love on them all the time and uh, hear them call me Mamo all the time. So those three grandkids are a big part of that number three. I also have three kids as such, my, my oldest daughter Dana and her husband Wendell and my youngest daughter Jordan. So I have, uh, have my three kids 
uh, that are a very big part, very important part of my life. And the other part of that three is my birthday is in March. It's the third month of the year. Uh, but but not only is uh, March the third month of the year, so that's the three part of it, but my birthday is March 5th, and Mardi Gras 2019 right in front of New Orleans happens to be on March 5th, so that third month. I love March Madness and basketball, and spring break's always a good time. So that three is a fun number for me today. Um, the number five, there's five people in my sibling group. There's five, five of us kids. And my sibling group is a really tight group. We've been through some, from, you know, a lifetime of, of tough stuff. And, uh, and we have uh, everyday banter and sarcasm about things that are probably, like, politically incorrect. But that's what we do because we're just that group. So uh, my sibling group is a, is a tight bunch. I also have a very special friend that I've known for five years and is a very big part of my life. Um, the number 1,300, um, that's the number of days that I will be with AOTA in this position in some way, shape, or form. Um, there are 205 days left in my president-elect term. And then on July 1, I will take over as president and serve in that capacity for 1,095 days. So I have uh, 1,300 days that I will have the opportunity to uh, listen and learn and lead uh, as president. So I'm excited about that opportunity. And today, as I was preparing for this call, that was a very real number for me. So. Well, thank you, Wendy, and we are looking forward to your leadership as AOTA president, soon to be president. Soon to and be. Deborah, I will, Deborah, I will repeat the same question to you. Can you identify three numbers of significance to you as an individual? Well, you know, I'm a little freaked out because all of my numbers are within Wendy's numbers as well, even though they're not all the same numbers. So I think <laughs> I need to play the lottery with some of this because I, that, that's fascinating in and of itself. Um, but my numbers are uh, 5, 70.3, and 13,500. So, oh, my. I know. Um, How so crazy. I will start with 5, and, and like Wendy, 5 is, is a number that means actually a lot to me as well. Uh, 5 uh, is my my immediate family. My, I have two siblings, and then, of course, my parents and myself, we were a family and are a family of five. Um, but I am also a family. Um, I, I consider five, not myself, at, with my husband and my four furry children. Um, so I have no human children, but I have four furry children. I have three cats and one dog, and they are all rescuers. Uh, rescues. Aww. I am a serial rescuer. Um, and my husband I've known for over 20 years and we've been married for 17. And so those are my, those are my five. And then five for me has always just been a, a favorite number. Um, I used to play field hockey. And so early on I was number five. And then in high school I was number 55. So five has always been sort of a number that's just followed me throughout my life. 70.3. Uh, back in 2015, I completed a half Ironman triathlon. Um, and it was something that I had wanted to do a few years prior. I wanted to do it by my 30th birthday and then wanted to do it by my 40th birthday and then finally got to it. Um, but it, it, a half Ironman is a 1.2-mile swim, a 56-mile bike ride, and then a half marathon, which is a 13.1-mile run. So there's your additional numbers underneath. Um, I loved it, and I would absolutely do it again. It does require a lot of time, so it's like having a second job when you train for it. Uh, so I'm not sure when I'll be able to do that, but I, I do want to do it again. <laughs> uh, and then my last, my last number is 13,500. Uh, and basically going back to what Wendy said, I am very much an adrenaline junkie, and the 13,500 feet was the height at which I – uh, jumped out of a perfectly moving airplane. So that was my skydiving jump. 
Um, I find that I need a little bit of adrenaline every so often, and it gets me, it keeps me going for about six months to a year, and then I need to sort of re-up on that adrenaline. And that can be, uh, the numbers that fall underneath that are 17 for the amount of stories I've repelled off of a building in Wilmington, Delaware, on behalf of Special Olympics. Um, and then 80 is the amount of scuba diving feet that I have done, and then 856 is feet for a base jump done in Las Vegas. So if anybody is interested in any of the places that we end up going for AOTA conferences, I'm always looking for that next adrenaline fix. Very exciting, and thank you for sharing about your occupations. <laughs> of course. We definitely, I'm impressed that we got such close numbers that they all mean such personal and different things. Um, and just switching gears a little bit now, but still continuing with the topic of three, um, my next question I'd like to ask you, Deborah, is to lead with our answers first, but just asking what are the three accomplishments that you hope to achieve during your term um, as a leader with AOTA? And this is such a big question, um, and so it, it's definitely a big ask. I appreciate that you asked it, but it is a big ask. Uh, there are many things that we could uh, work on. I can absolutely work on throughout my tenure as vice president, um, and many things that I think that I want to address, uh, but I also am cognizant that my path forward uh, is, is paved with some unknown. Uh, and there may be very well be issues that I need to deal with that take precedence over what I feel I might want to address. And so, uh, you know, in thinking about what I might want to accomplish, the three things that I want to accomplish within my term, I started to sort of go very internal to the profession because, again, we have a lot of a lot to work on right now. And I think that there are also some internal things within the profession that I feel really are, can erode the profession's strengths and can benefit from creating a dialogue about. So I'm going to try to create that dialogue tonight. So the first one uh, would be to address in some capacity, uh, perhaps by creating the dialogue, the perceived divide between practice and academia. And I think many in our profession know that this exists but shy away from talking about it. And what I'm talking about, more or less, is that there are OT practitioners that may say those in academia are out of touch with what is happening in practice. And there are those in academia that may say that there are practitioners that are not practicing the way that students are currently being taught. And so, as you can imagine, this creates a little bit of a disconnect. Um, and perhaps, as I said, it's really a matter of talking more openly about it to create the dialogue and how we can bridge the gap and start to work more collaboratively together. Uh, there are so many opportunities for amazing collaborations between academia and practice, and there are some that go on, that's for sure. Uh, but I do think that we need to change some of our own attitudes and beliefs about one another so that we can seize more opportunities to work together, to grow together, and to work together for the benefit of our profession. So that would be number one. Uh, number two, uh, again, to address in some capacity uh, the occupational therapy practitioners within our profession that may not feel valued or heard. And really over the course of the, of the last year's election cycle when I was running for vice president, um, I had the privilege to hear a spectrum of perspectives and get a lot of feedback from both AOTA members and non-members about not feeling valued for their area of expertise or for what they might bring to the table for our profession. And what's worse is that this came from not just one source. There were a few different factions of occupational therapy practitioners that felt this way. And quite, quite honestly, this makes, me, this makes me sad. And no matter if you're in practice or in academia or research or no matter if your setting that you work in, no matter what setting you work in, or no matter if you're an occupational therapist or an occupational therapy assistant, our profession's strength really lies in valuing each other and the differences that we bring to the table on behalf of our profession. And we really need to strip away the titles that divide our efforts 
and that remember at the end of the day that we are all occupational therapy practitioners and that we're all working to move our profession forward so that we can remain viable in the future. And then the last, uh, number three, would be to address in some capacity uh, the sometimes perceived ivory tower of AOTA volunteer leadership. Um, and this is yet another one of those conversations that uh, some shy away from. Uh, but again, I did tell you in the beginning that I'm sort of un unapologetically me. Uh, so I would tell you that I would like to blow up the notion of the ivory tower. Uh, and to me, this requires communication and transparency between leadership and membership. And it requires leadership being president and accessible, present and accessible. Uh, <laughs> it requires it requires you, Wendy, president, and All the the and it requires active listening, uh, really to diverse perspectives. Uh, but it really it requires effort and ownership by both the leadership and the membership. You know, I certainly do not have all the answers and I certainly cannot do it alone. Uh, but I can say that in the last five months, I have rolled up my sleeves to do work in my role as vice president on behalf of the association and the profession. And I'm hopeful and look forward to continuing to work alongside members and non-members in an effort to strengthen both the association and our occupational therapy profession. That's Those are my three. Thank you. Um, and, you know, following that, um, you know, I was wondering also, can, um, Wendy, can you please also share your perspective and what are some of those three accomplishments or goals perhaps that you hope to achieve during your term? Well, I hope to have a wonderful working relationship with Miss Deb Young. Let's just put that one right out there. That's not one of my three, uh, but that just goes without saying. I just, I'm, you know, I'm listening to, and to our vice president talk, and uh, and it's it's exciting when you can uh, can hear the synergy, and um, you know that that uh, you know that that's that's encouraging. That's exciting. That's all those things. Uh, that you want to have when you know that you'll be working closely with someone, uh, you know, in good times and some tough times. And so I'm, I'm anxious to be able to be a part of um, this leadership, uh, you know, just relationship with them. When I think about three accomplishments, you know, like she said, oh, my gosh, this was like a huge question, um, you know, right up there with the define leadership. <laughs> it's like, where do you start? Um, but I would... A couple things that come to mind uh, for me are three things that, you know, maybe if we talk accomplishments, I hope that I am able to uh, have some part in, in making these things a reality. Um, you know, one of the things that I think uh, we all know is that they are uh, within our profession right now. Uh, you know, Deb made reference to some internal things that she, she, uh, she hopes to be part of addressing, you know, through dialogue and action. Uh, as it relates to, um, you know, just uh, our profession and uh, in the interactions and, and relationships within our profession, uh, professional groups. I, I want one of my accomplishments high on my list is to be uh, an active leader and participant in the process of restoration and healing uh, with some of our, our own internal groups. Uh, individuals, committees, uh, you know, factions, however you want to, um, you know, kind of call or, or categorize, uh, you know, people right now. Um, we have hard things going on uh, within our profession, and we can just go right to it. This may as, be, may as well be one of the things that you find out about me as a leader pretty quick uh, is, you know, we just don't need to beat around the bush on, on some things, and there's been a a very big professional, you know, concern and issue or, um, you, know, you know, crisis, however people want to categorize it, um, as we have been trying to sort through what is best for our profession moving forward in terms of entry-level education. I think that's a, that's a big question. It's an important question. It's, it's a reasonable question. Uh, some of what has been happening around those questions in terms of dialogue and discussion uh, 
has not always been reasonable and has not always been respectful and in in many instances has created some divisions um, where unfortunately there maybe doesn't need to be a division if we are going to stay unified as a professional association and if we're going to stay unified as a profession as a whole. And I really, really uh, have high on my list to be part of whatever efforts we need to put in place and move forward to help us in the restoring, healing, and building uh, phase of the hard work that we're doing right now. I'm not saying that this is supposed to be easy. I'm not saying uh, that we have, you know, done, you know, done things we shouldn't do in having hard conversations. Uh, but I am saying that we need to elevate it. We need to look at the people that we're talking to and talking about, and we need to perhaps do some separation of people from issues and the directives that, we might, that we're going to need to take uh, dependent on decisions that come forward uh, from our own processes with the representative assembly and other groups. So we have amazing people in our profession. We have amazing governance groups within our profession. We have wonderful people on our national office staff. And to have that separated or be divisive in any way, uh, be disrespectful of one another is a hard thing to watch happen. So I don't want to watch that. I want to be able to be part of uh, a process and interactions that restore and heal and unify our profession moving forward. So that would be a big accomplishment, and it's definitely one that I can't do by myself. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this being something that people within our profession as a whole uh, recognize as a need for us to continue to move forward. So there's accomplishment number one. How's that for a big one, hey? Uh, <laughs> I like it. Uh, I do too. Um, something else that, um, that I have in mind as, as an accomplishment I want, uh, you know, in what did I say, 1,300 days, I want to be a part of us continuing to establish future footing. Uh, you know, we cannot be uh, looking at where we are at now and say that it is good enough in terms of policy, in terms of payment, in terms of service delivery models, uh, in terms of uh, the individuals, populations, communities that we serve. Uh, we have a lot that we need to be thinking about in terms of how we want to position ourselves for uh, the future of our profession. You know, we don't have a centennial vision. I mean, we have a vision 2025. We can have those things all, all we want to. The, the, the fact of the matter is, if you even take those away, we still have to think about how is our profession going to look five years, ten years from now, and what are, the, what are the different pieces that we need to get in place in order to secure uh, payment, in order to secure uh, opportunities to be invited to be part of program development, uh, as, you know, to be able to secure our opportunity in, in NIH grant funding. I mean, all those kinds of things that are going to be so important for us to continue uh, to mature as a profession. So I hope to be part of that. That might require changes in governance structure. That might require changes in organizational structure. That might require changes in how we think and do with each other. Um, you know, change is not a bad thing. Not always an easy thing, but uh, not a bad thing. Uh, we're going to need deviant thinkers to do that. Are you going to be a deviant thinker with me? I hope so. That's also called innovation, so let's do that. And then the third accomplishment, I guess, um, would be recognizing the different practice opportunities as it relates to populations that we serve. Uh, we have, uh, you know, population health continues to show up in a number of places, uh, whether it's our vision statement, whether it's in uh, the quadruple aim, whether it's in, um, you know, different insurance-related kinds of questions. Um, those kinds of things. And so we have a lot of, uh, a lot of buzz right now about population health and, and what populations we might serve and what does that even mean. So I guess I'd, I hope that one of the things that we accomplish in the next you know, few years is to have a better understanding of that, uh, to have better exemplars of that, 
Um, and when I say better, I don't mean better than what we have. I mean more than what we have so that we have, uh, you know, a, a bigger pool of people that can serve as mentors or, or exemplars and encourage others to uh, take that step into population health. Uh, one piece I would add to that is also recognizing that one population that we need to uh, really attend to as part of that accomplishment is our population of uh, professionals, our OTs, our OTAs, um, the well-being, the clinical well-being and you know, qual professional quality of life for, uh, for all of us working in this profession is uh, critical. And, you know, we, burnout is a real thing. Uh, compassion fatigue is a real thing. Uh, us not taking care of ourselves is a real thing. And we need to uh, help each other in that way. And if there are ways that AOTA and our profession collectively can, um, can do better at that, I hope that that's a part of what's accomplished during my term. Thank you, Wendy. And thank you, Deborah, for your responses. And continuing with our theme of three and keeping the spotlight on AOTA members, Wendy, I'll direct this next question to you. Can you identify three words you hope members might describe AOTA as their occupational therapy professional organization? I can, and I'll keep it short because I know we still have two other questions after this. My goodness. Yes, ma'am. Yes, indeed. Um, I'll make this quick. There are three easy words. I guess I would start by saying, first of all, that I want people to identify uh, the American Occupational Therapy Association as their professional home. So just as an umbrella, I hope that people recognize that this is the place where they can come to uh, for, for all things occupational therapy uh, in terms of I just shoot practice standards, uh, you know, education, uh, you know, membership, many, many, many things, policy. So I hope that just as an umbrella answer that people will recognize AOTA as their professional home. Uh, the three words, though, that I hope they might use to describe AOTA, and I want to be part of uh, making these, these words happen, uh, I, want, I want people to say that AOTA is accessible. I want, I want people to say that AOTA is accountable. And I want them to say that AOTA is relevant. Um, accessible as in, in all terms of the words, whether we're talking about physical accessibility, whether we're talking about access to the resources that people need at the national office, whether it's about accessible and being able to reach out to leadership and be able to connect with them. Uh, you know, we could go on and on. I want people to view AOTA as accessible. I want us to be able to be accountable. Um, you know, accountable and transparency are not the same thing. Um, you know, transparency is a, a funny word. Um, you know, there are many things that, you know, are easy to put out there for everybody. There's some things that, um, you know, that it, it's not out there for everybody. And that's where that funny thing called trust and relationship building comes back into play. But we all need to be accountable. And uh, there's a whole lot of accountability questions going on right now. So I'm looking forward to being part of an opportunity for us to uh, be viewed as accountable and relevant. I want AOTA to be relevant in people's practice lives, in people's budgets, their personal budgets and professional budgets. I want them to be able, I want people to say AOTA, AOTA has such incredible meaning and value to me as a professional and as a person that I have to be connected. Uh, so uh, we have a lot of work to do to make those things come to life. Wendy, thank you so much for your response. And now, Deborah, I will repeat the same question to you. So can you identify three words you hope members might use to describe AOTA as their occupational therapy professional organization? Yes, and, and once again, um, Wendy and I did not talk about what we were going to say this evening in any way, shape, or form, and so my first response is also professional home. Um, and it's professional home, but it's more about the word home for me, uh, because I would love to not only hear members talk about AOTA as their professional home, but to also have the visceral connection that you get when you think of home. You know, the feeling that home brings really to me is like similar to that same excitement 
that we feel at AOTA Annual Conference when you get to see and reconnect with all of your OT peeps. Like, to me, that is my OT home. And so it's more of the visceral connection. Uh, I would also love for members to use the word innovative, um, that AOTA is introducing forward-thinking ideas and that they describe AOTA as innovative by creatively advancing the occupational therapy profession. And last but not least, I would love to hear uh, empowered or empowering. And I would love to hear that members feel empowered by not only that the work that AOTA does on behalf of the profession on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, but by the resources that are available and made available by AOTA and created and developed through AOTA that help to empower uh, OT practitioners' day-to-day -day practice. Thank you so much. And along the same theme, um, I wanted to ask, and I'll direct this to you first, Deborah. What are the three keys to your success as an AOTA leader? What would you say are those those three things that can really um, facilitate and support that success? Sure. Um, so the key number one that I would say is that although I have a volunteer leader title, I'm still an occupational therapist. And in the modified words of JLo, don't be fooled by the title that I've got. I'm still Deb the OT from the block. And it's true. <laughs> I'm still that OT. And I've been an OT for 23 years. And during that time, I've worked as a clinician and educator. And I'm currently a business owner. But at the end of the day, I, I'm a practitioner. And I'm still out there practicing and running into many of the same roadblocks as my fellow clinicians. And, you know, again, going back to the, the ivory tower, um, as an AOTA leader, I, I, I do. I want to blow up that tower, and I want help in doing so, because I'm here to tell you to not put your leaders on pedestals. And, you know, again, I'm an OT practitioner just like you. I'm passionate about the profession just like you. And I, I really want members and non-members to know that they can approach me with thoughts, concerns, complaints, whatever it might be, because uh, it's really important for me to know what you're thinking and, and what you're thinking is going well in your day-to-day -day occupational therapy world and, and what you're thinking could be improved. Because um, really, it's this feedback and engagement that's crucial to helping with strategic planning and decision making. So even though there's a title, I'm still an OT. So number two would be, not only am I going to tell you exactly what I think, um, I'm also going to do exactly what I said I would do. So I'm hopeful that others would do the same with me as well. And it's important to me that members can feel that they can speak openly. Um, I welcome diversity of thought. I am actually, I prefer to be in the presence of people who are providing me opposing opinions. Um, and I have always been interested in why someone would think so differently than I do on something. And I believe you can have a civil dialogue of opposing opinions. And this brings me back to uh, a few meetings ago, Penny Moyers presented to the board on innovation. And she talked about us. She talked about what she said was creative abrasion. And it's really a concept of productively challenging ideas. And I welcome creative abrasion. Um, may consider this sort of dangerous and risky because you're going to be challenging people and you're going to be providing alternative points of view. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it can be risky, but really it requires maintaining professionalism and respect. It requires not taking the opposing opinions personally and really checking your ego at the door. And it requires really listening and learning why someone may think differently. And know that I may not always agree but I agree to listen and to learn the new perspectives. And then last but not least, um, I would say my third key is that I'm tenacious, um, maybe to a fault. Um, so many events in my personal and professional life required tenacity and really shaped my ability to persevere and continue forward through challenges. And I am a girl of action. I'm not afraid of perseverance and the persistence and grit that's really needed at times to get the job done. I am a business owner, after all. 
Um, and even though my efforts may not always give me the outcome I'm hoping for, I know that I've done everything in my power to make things happen. And if I don't succeed, I'm going to use that to learn how I need to do things differently for when I try again, because believe I'm going to try again. Um, because again, it goes back to being tenacious. And this goes back for me for a long time now, back to my first year of OT school. Um, I'm a bachelor's trained OT, and 27 years ago when I was a freshman, I vividly remember sitting in my advisor's office to discuss the fact that I had failed the first test in each of my two OT classes. So freshman year, we had two OT classes that we had to take, and everything else were, you know, your, your, your other required courses. And I failed the first test in both. And she sat me down and said to me, that I should reconsider my major because occupational therapy was not the right fit for me. And I immediately told her I'm not leaving and that it was unacceptable and there was no way I was going to let my parents or myself down and that I just wasn't leaving. And so I took a lot of feedback, I made a bunch of changes and I worked very hard and I passed that semester and I'm here today to prove it. So the tenacity goes a long way. And those are my three. Thank you. What a wonderful story. Uh, Wendy, and I will ask you the same question as well. Can you share what are some of those three keys of your success as a leader here in AOTA? I, I can do that. Yes, I can. Three, key, three keys to my success as an AOTA leader. Um, this is a fun one to think about, actually. Um, the, the first thing I would say is uh, I do feel that I come into this position a relatable leader. Um, I am, you know, I, I live in Kansas City. I'm in the middle of the country. Uh, you know, I teach at a university. Um, I, I like my state association. I have all kinds of just regular uh, grassroots girl kind of things just in my day to day. I'm a, I'm a pretty, uh, you know, humility is a thing. It's kind of strange to think about that maybe as a somebody, you know, that's that's in the position that I'm in, but boy, there are days when I look around and go, wow, how, how lucky am I um, to have this opportunity? So um, I hope to you know, take good care of that, but also extend myself and be available to people and continue to be relatable. I always say that I was a, I, this was not a position that I had aspired to be you know, from a baby OT kind of thing. I was always a back row girl in my uh, classes, in my OT program, I sat in the back row uh, I was not the president of SOTA. I was a non-traditional student. Um, I, I like leading from the back. Um, I don't have a problem with being uh, a voice and no vote. You know, you can you can do things in in those ways. Uh, so you know, when I think about that, I'm, I'm much like many people uh, that might be on this call. Many people that uh, that I hope to serve uh, in, in my capacity as president-elect and president. So being relatable, I would say, is one of the keys to my success as an OT leader. Um, a second key uh, would be, I'm, I'm laughing at Deb and I, you know, in the way we think similarly, but one of these would be, one. the next key would be, uh, I am uh, very capable and do not hesitate to ask hard questions, and I can, I can stand pretty firm in hard places. Um, you know, my, my own, uh, you know, personal story is one of, uh, of bumps and bruises. Uh, some of my, uh, my professional lessons learned have, uh, you know, come easy. Some have come hard. Uh, much of my work uh, in leadership positions within when AOTA has had me in positions where I have had to ask hard questions and have had to stand, uh, stand there firm either in decisions made or in uh, the debate about, you know, which, which direction to go. Uh, so that's not something that I find scary. I find it necessary sometimes if we're going to get to the places that we need to go. We have to have dialogue that's not always comfortable. Uh, we also have to applaud each other's efforts when we are able to work through those hard places together. So um, I would call that another key to my success. Uh, kind of related to that would be uh, the part where I do tend to play to the edge of the rules. I've, I've 
always been a tad bit of a rebel, a little bit of a deviant thinker, not defiant thinker, but deviant thinker. Those are two different things. Uh, it is not bad to have a different point of view. And it's not bad to have uh, an alternative uh, way of perhaps problem solving. So, um, you know, I do think that that is something that I bring along with the hard questions piece there, uh, asking hard questions. And then the third thing that I would say uh, would be a key to my success is that I do try to set an example and live in a way that incorporates balance, uh, balanced approach to working through issues, trying to hear both sides of, of an issue, trying to uh, hear a range of, of uh, options for uh, resolution or for, for growth or for dismissing things. Uh, I do try to have open ears and, and hear, uh, you know, those things so that, so that we're able to have balance in, in the way that we move forward, a balanced and fair uh, discussion and dialogue and, and good decisions. Uh, but also balance in, um, in that I, I don't take myself so seriously that I cannot have a good time. Uh, I like to have fun. Uh, I like to laugh. I have good humor. Uh, one of my uh, my very good, um, you know, those folks that tell you that thing at the right time in your career was a woman uh, probably 25 years ago that said to me, uh, Wendy, you could do great things. You could even be the leader of AOTA if you just get a handle on your sarcasm. So I took that <laughs> feedback to heart right there. And uh can't say I don't have a little sarcastic bone, but you know I, I have been able to recognize that there's a balance uh, in all things, and so um, I continue to try to find that way to balance my work and play, uh, balance my family and my professional life, and also to balance uh, the heavy lifting that we have to do as a profession uh, in in terms of uh, the work we do to resolve issues, uh, to elevate uh, what we do um, as a profession and to support each other. So um, I guess I would just call those my top three. Wonderful. Thank you, Wendy, and thank you, Deborah, for your responses. Um, and for our last question, you know, as OTs and as OTAs, you know, we are interested in learning about the ways others occupy their time and how we as pr practitioners can maximize their quality of life and improve their health through engagement in those occupations. So we thought we'd end tonight's call with a fun, lighthearted question. Um, and Wendy, I will direct this question to you. So what are your three most meaningful occupations? My three most meaningful occupations, so easy. Uh, spending time with family and friends right off the top. I can, we can find any reason to celebrate, get together. Um, it, it just doesn't matter. It can be a sunny day, and that's a good reason for, for gathering and spending time. So that would easily be uh, right on top of, of my list of most meaningful occupations. Uh, Water time is another one. Um, I live in the middle of the country, but I love going to the lake. I love going to the beach. I love floating down a river. I like hanging by the pool. I like those things that are water-related. I think it's that Pisces girl in me, perhaps, um, that, that uh, takes in that water time uh, for fun, for relaxation, for reflection, and uh, for restoration. And then the third one, is, most meaningful occupation, is entertainment. I love being entertained. I love concerts. I love outdoor events. I love the Kansas Jayhawk basketball team. I enjoy Kansas City sports. Uh, I am loving Patrick Mahomes right now. He is the bomb quarterback. Um, so these things uh, fill me up. It's fun. We get it's a way to, to just have a good time uh, and also a way to just really appreciate and respect people that can do things that I just cannot do <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. So uh, I get to live vicariously and, uh, and have a good time uh, with all of that. So that would be my three meaningful occupations tonight. Thank you, Wendy. And Deborah, uh, we will direct a question to you as well. So what are your three most meaningful occupations? Okay, so three, that was hard, but um, I condensed it like you did, in, in Wendy, into categories. So my first yeah. category is travel. 
travels. I love learning about different cultures. I love exploring through food. Um, I love having, I always say I want to have a different view than just the view that I get outside my window at my home. So having a different view, both literally and figuratively, I love to take pictures. Uh, and But for me, it's much more than this. My husband is actually a travel agent, but he also um, ha- has a C5, C6 incomplete spinal cord injury. So for us, um, it's for, and for me, it's really about gaining perspective on the built environment and looking at, uh, you know, the impact of the design of the environment and how it impacts our travel. Uh, so that's what it is for me. My number two is any outside exercise. Uh, and again, it's not just triathlon, but it's uh, obstacle courses, uh, you know, mud runs I love. They sort of let me ha- let out the inner child. Um, I love hiking and exploring the outdoors, and I love gardening. Uh, and then my last category is trying any new things, especially if they are either adrenaline producing or uh, allow me to create with my hands. Uh, so I love to, you know, I actually enjoy do-it-yourself house projects. Um, I love woodworking, woodworking from pallets and making like furniture or um, I love doing some jewelry making, and then I've recently gotten into pyrography, which is the art of wood burning. So it, I, I like to try anything new, and, and if I could build something or create something with my hands, that's even better. Wonderful. Thank you, Deborah, and thank you, Wendy, for your responses and the rich descriptions of the significant, significant symbols you have chosen. Um, at this time, I do not see any additional questions in the, the, in the TalkShoe chat box or on Twitter, um, so I will conclude tonight's episode. Um, I just want to quickly say thank you to Wendy and Deborah for your time, and on behalf of our audience members and the AOTA community of leaders, we sincerely thank you for both, or we sincerely thank both of you for all of your contributions to the profession and for supporting the leadership development of AOTA members. We are honored to be a part of this wonderful pr- profession among your your influence. To our audience, thank you for joining us during another episode of OT Leadership Live. For those of you who may have to leave early or if you know of anyone who wasn't available to participate live this evening, we are recording this episode and we'll be posting a link to the recording on AOTA's new online community, CommuneOT, which can be easily accessed by visiting www.communeot.aota.org. We look forward to connecting with you next time for a special episode with the candidates for AOTA Elections 2019. Thanks again and have a great night. Thank you. Thank you all. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.